Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. Hello, my friend. How are you doing today? As you can tell, I'm a bit sick. I spent a lot of time traveling last month, and at the very end, I got a little sick. Actually, I got a little sick when I got back, and I think lack of sleep and you know, being around all those germs. And the funny thing is, is last week I kept talking about as a coaching tool I was using with my clients was how I don't like sore throats. And I was really thinking how this is awesome. I haven't been sick all year. How great is this? And when I think of year, I think of the academic year, just the way my brain works. But how awesome it is that I haven't been sick because I really don't like sore throats and how I never appreciate my throat when I'm healthy. And I only appreciate it when I'm sick and I'm having a sore throat because I really don't like sore throats. And guess what I have this week? A sore throat. Hilarious. Um, I'm moving through it and I'm going to be better next week, I'm sure. So thank you for putting up with my voice this week or for today. And I'm going to be talking in a little bit. But before we get started, one of my clients this week suggested to me, she's like, Karen, you really need to have like your own thing about your favorite thing. She And she had told me about a friend of hers had a blog called Oprah's Not the Only One That Gets to Have Favorite Things. And she's like, have Karen's favorite things. And I thought about it. I was like, that's a great idea. And I'm going to incorporate it into the show. And I'll put it on Instagram or on my blog from time to time. But so today I want to talk about one of my favorite things because it's spring. Swimming has started. The monsters are back in full swing. And as I've been traveling, one of the things that I love to give friends who have young kids are my favorite goggles. So if you're a swimmer, you get it. Goggles are really, really important for when you swim because if they are problematic, they can make the practice miserable. And for a coach, when you're working with kids who have goggles that don't work very well, they can make coaching very distracting because you wind up spending so much time fixing goggles. So there are these goggles that I just love. They're made by Finise. I'm just doing a shout out to them, F-I-N-I-S. And they're these youth goggles that they have. And I'll put a link in the show notes. And these are just awesome goggles. They're relatively inexpensive, like 10 or 12 bucks. They last forever. I always tell parents that you're going to lose them before the, something will happen to them. They last forever. They are great. They're comfortable. They work really well with kids' eyes. And as coaches, we're not spending all this time fiddling with them. And often I used to say buy Speedo goggles and those are fine. But the problem is, is that a lot of the retail stores that you can go to that any non-swimming families would go to, they'll pick up these other goggles that are the brand name, but they're actually not very good. They're really crappy. And as a young parent, I used to get duped with this. I was like, oh my gosh, here's a swimsuit that has a certain brand on it. Or here are these goggles, right? Three pack for 20 bucks. Oh my gosh, they were a nightmare. And maybe one pair was decent, but the other two pairs weren't. So those can be great goggles. Like if you have a basket and you have a swimming pool in your backyard and you have a bunch of friends that come over, 
and you want to provide goggles, fine. Go ahead and use those. But these Finistes Youth Goggles, they are the jam. This is what I highly recommend. Often I think on the monsters that I'm going to create a policy that will only let all 10 and unders wear them because really you can wear them from the ages of like three to 10. And then as if depending on your head size, if you have a smaller head, you can probably still wear them. I try to keep my kids in them as long as possible because they're way cheaper. The ones that they wear now are the Speedo Vanquishers and I, those run about $20, $22 a pair. But so I love the Finney's goggles. They're awesome. They come in different colors. They used to have smelly ones. I don't think they do anymore, but they are the best goggles on planet. So if you're going into the spring or summer and your kid's going to do swim lessons or join a swim team, these goggles are the jam. If you're a grandmother and you're going to have grandkids that are going to be doing some swimming, get these goggles. They're awesome. Get a few pairs, get your Sharpie, write your last name on them because you will lose them before they will break. So that's one of my favorite things all time. They've been my favorite thing since 2005, long time. And I've just watched them and they're the best things on the planet. I love, love, love them. All right. Today, we're going to start talking about success. And actually, I've talked a lot about success on the show and a variety of things. But I want to first talk about before I go into how to create success in your life, I want to talk about what is success because I'm sure as soon as I say that, that can be such a trigger word for you. Success, it's like, oh no, we can use that as a weapon to prove to ourselves that, you know, I'm just not as successful. I'm not as capable of success. So it's really important. I say this all the time on the show. You get to decide what does success mean? You're the leader of your life. So it's not about what your parents decided success or your neighbor or a friend or a teacher or a coach or your boss, but what does success mean for you? I was watching something recently and there was something on my DVR, but they were talking about George H.W. Bush and he had passed away and they were talking about his life and whether you agree with his presidency or not, or his business success or not, the really cool thing I loved about the segment they did on him was they talked about his greatest legacy was his 73 year marriage to Barbara Bush. I love that on so many levels. One is he's a man and we're defining that as success because that's so non-typical. And then the other is that I have to often have clients who have created circumstances like that, whether they're, they've created this relationship with their grandchildren and their adult children, and they have this loving relationship and they get upset because, you know, it's not a W2 that validates them or a certain number of zeros that validates them. But this was an aspect that they really, really wanted. And I think about him and the fact that he was president and that he's built up successful companies and, and so on and so forth. And his, legacy is a 73-year marriage with his wife. So really think about a step outside the box of what is success? What is it supposed to look like? And remember, we don't have to approval whore anymore, right? Because we're not doing that. So since we're not approval whoring, and since here on the show, we don't follow along the cultural norms because we're counterculture here. So you get to define success on your terms as the leader of your life. And I can't tell you how many of my clients who are Ivy League grads and they will not consider that route as being successful, but maybe going into it is like, oh, this is going to define me and be success. Or even myself, you know, I was a division two NC2A national champion in swimming thinking, gosh, once I achieve that, I'll be successful and I'll be, uh, you know, and have success. And yes, I achieved a goal 
And that was very cool, but it doesn't mean that the rest of my life was paved forward because I think that's something else that what happens is we go, oh, once I create success, it's just going to be this upward spiral. And really, my friend, success, there's a lot of falling down moments. I hate to disappoint you. So you have a choice. You can use success as a weapon against yourself, which really sucks, or you can define it to your values and your priorities. And here's the deal. I ask you to promise me when you achieve your goal, when you achieve the success that you are striving for, I want you to enjoy the hell out of it. Enjoy it. Embrace it. And then don't worry, tomorrow will be another day and there'll be a falling down moment. So that is part of living an amazing life. I often say I live an amazing life and there's shit shows everywhere because that's the truth. Now, the other thing I want you to be careful of is those big audacious goals that are really ambivalent, right? So it could be like, oh, I want to make the world a better place with my job. Well, what does that mean? How are you going to be able to put that into tangibles where you go, hey, I achieved that, yay me. Or this is one with money. I want to make as much as I can, baby. Okay, great. What does that mean? Define it. It's okay. And if you fall short of it, it's okay because you get to look at that. So here's some examples of which you can create a success. So if you're at work, it's what if instead success was, I want my team to start and finish our planning for a strategic plan. That could be success. And you're like, yippee skippy, we did this. And then the next level of success would be, we're going to implement it and see what we learn. And then that's another yippee skippy yay me moment. Another way at work could be that success could be that, hey, we give feedback to develop our staff, to develop our team so we can reduce the drama and the back channeling that sucks up so many hours each day at work. Think about that. Think if there wasn't all that drama and the closed door meetings and the fear and the shame and all the drama and people could focus, go to work, have a great time, do great work and go home and enjoy their lives as well. So when you do that, that can be success that we're striving for. And there's going to be a lot of falling down moments. There's going to be, I promise you, there's going to be miscommunication. And so it's about having that feedback where we can clarify things, where we can let people know the gap between what's going on and what's not going on. And by doing this, we're actually cultivating in a work environment where there's trust, which is going to be so important for doing great work. Another important area about, you know, work and success, and I've got some clients working on this, is where they block out 30 minutes, maybe an hour each day thinking, just thinking, having that white space. My clients are overachievers. They're really hard on themselves. And the way to success has been overdo, 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 and be an approval whore right? And then it's burnout and I'm getting the hell out and I'm quitting. And this is horrible. We need to calm all that down. And instead they spend time thinking and getting really clear that way they can then go take massive action. So that can be success for some of my clients. Success can be a promotion. It can be, you know, getting a certain job, your dream job, just get really clear about what that is and then know why you want it. If you want this promotion, a certain title, because you're going to prove to other people that you are good enough, think about that. You're really rooted in shame. So get clear on what does success mean for you. Now for the home front, success can be, like I said, you're an involved grandmother, 
right? With your children and your grandchildren's lives. They love you. You're connected. And not that you're hovering or overpowering their relationships because sometimes we get worried about that as adult children, but where you have connection, where you are a person that has earned the right to hear the stories. How awesome is that? That is so valuable. And so often I'll have people think, oh, well, I'm just a mom or I'm just a grandmother or I'm just a stay-at-home dad. Get rid of the just. Is this the life that you've designed for? Is this the life that your family is committed to? And how do you show up and support others? Years ago, I was at the gym working out and um, something on the news came about, about the girl sex trafficking. And I was just reading it while I was working out on one of the machines. And all of a sudden this like judger in the back of my head was like, seriously, Corinne, you know, that's the work you should be doing. That is important work. And what are you really doing? You just work with the, in this affluent town with these kids on swimming or with your clients, you know, who get to do this high touch coaching programs that you run. But that's really important work. And I was discounting my work and I was starting to feel really bad. And my kids at the time were really young and didn't want to do a whole lot of traveling. And it's not that I didn't think that this work was important. And I had to give myself some space and really think about it because I was thinking if I was really successful, this is the work I would be doing. And then I, I thought about it some more and I said, well, wait a second. My kids are young. I'm not willing to travel. This is really important. But whether it's the kids in the pool and I'm helping them cultivate confidence, helping them use their voice or with my clients who are also doing important work, I never know who's going to take this on. And in fact, I have a really good friend in Drani who does this work. And it was so funny because probably, you know, a few years later, we were someplace together and I was telling her this and she just smiled and laughed at me, not laughed at me, laughed with me with this love and said, Corinne, I didn't begin this work until my kids were grown and launched. And now I do this work. And that gave me such permission of, well, this may be really important and it's absolutely not okay. It's not something that was time for me to go and do. So really thinking about your values and your priorities and what works in your life right now. So that's another example about like home and the work I want to do. Or the other aspect about what can be success is being in a loving and committed in a real marriage where you have courageous conversations, where you know each other, know all of each other, right? Our strengths and our flaws, and you love each other all, love all of yourself. Success can be having family dinners, whether they're weekly dinners, daily dinners, three nights a week dinners, where your family's able to come together even for 10 minutes or 15 minutes and eat together. That can be success. Now let's talk about money. One of my favorite things. I really want you, if you're going to set a money goal, get really clear on the amount of money you need or want to live on that supports you in your lifestyle. Because it's so great to say, oh, I want to make this kind of money or that kind of money. But is that the kind of money that you really want? And then know your reason why. Maybe it's a success for you is about having a cash flow where you aren't stressed about money. You want to make sure that you're able to have, you know, go to the grocery store and not stress about what you buy or don't buy. Another one is, and this is one of my favorites, is being able to love money and allow it to support you. I really love money and I love that it allows me to live the life that I live. And then it can, of course, be a financial amount, but just know your reasons why that you want that. And does it really cost that much for you to live the life that you want? Because sometimes we think it's, we need way more than we actually do. 
Now for yourself, like what is success? It could be weighing a certain amount, like that could be a number. Again, know your reason why. It could be having energy for your life. It could be loving hanging out with yourself. You know, how often are people so lonely, but they don't even love hanging out with themselves. They don't love that relationship that they have with themselves. And it could be like your relationship with yourself and then also the relationships that you have with others. You're being connected. So yourself, what are the goals that are successful for you? So I'm not saying you can't have your dream job. You can want your dream job. You can want to make a certain amount of money, lose weight, create friends, etc. Just be specific. And then here's the thing. Make sure you have small steps and you celebrate it along the way because you get to choose what success looks like make sure it's yours. So I don't know, some years ago, there's this house in one part of Davis. And I guess Davis is one of my favorite things, but there's this one house and I've always loved it. And I go walking by with a girlfriend of mine and I just loved, they have this wraparound porch and it's across from some farmland and I loved it. And I was like, oh, I would just love to move there. And I started getting really like fixated on it because that's what happens when I really want something. And then I had to really think about it. Remember the values and priorities? Well, it's in a part of town that I don't like that corner of town just because I don't like the grocery store that's right around the corner from it. Not that I couldn't shop in my grocery store. It makes it harder to get to certain other towns and stuff. I didn't like that aspect of it. It's a two-story. I don't want to live in a two-story home. It has a swimming pool. I definitely don't want to live in a home that has a swimming pool. That is the last thing I want. So I started going through and saying, well, the idea is great, but the reality is just a dream. So we can say that this is success, but it's not for me. And one day, some years ago, my father-in-law had been coming up for Christmas and one of my brother-in-laws had just bought this big turbo party house and he was in the middle of this massive remodel. And and my father-in-law was like, well, aren't you guys going to move to a bigger home? And, And I was like, but why? right? That's what we culturally program, get a bigger home. Once you achieve a certain level, move up, continue to move up. And I was like, but why? I love my home. I love having a one-story home. I never wanted stairs. I love that. And it was so fascinating to hear him. And then he had his opinions. He's like, oh, and and his idea was, well, you'd have more land so Pete could do his gardening because he likes to grow vegetables. And I was like, why would I want him to have more land to do more gardening? He would just be outside even more than he is already. And no, I don't want that. And we can't even eat all the food that he does garden. So getting really clear, my father-in-law had this cultural programming of what success is. Plus he was getting influenced by what he was seeing around him. And I was really clear for me and for my family and for my husband and I, that was not success for ourselves. And his information, his opinion was fantastic. It was fine. I didn't have to attach to it. So Define success. That's your first step. Now, how to get to success. So here's the thing. Success is built on a pile of failures. And that's so counterculture of what we've been programmed to believe. Because we've been programmed to believe we have to be successful to continue to be successful. We have to always be doing things right, always doing things perfectly. There's a right way and a wrong way. And the wrong way will define you and limit your success. How many of you believe that? Raise your hand, but I can't see you. So those are the rules that we've been programmed to believe. But here's the thing, my friend, they aren't true. 
And one of the reasons we love to live in the United States and this American dream and why immigrants love to come here is because of this American dream that we're not defined by our failures or by our past. We live in the land of opportunity. I mean, think about it. You can really mess up in high school, go to community college, and then transfer into a world-class university if that's your chosen track. You can not go to school and become a successful entrepreneur. There's lots of different ways. So you get to redefine yourself and you get to create who you want to become. And I know that you're totally on board. You're like, yes, this is awesome. It all sounds great intellectually. Now let's talk about the failure. (laughs) You're like, Corinne. Yeah. Intellectually, we can say, oh yes, we need to fail fast, fail often. But here's the thing. My clients are overachievers. They hate failing. They hate it. That's why they'll go into approval whoring. That's why they'll work really hard and over-prepare and overdo so that they don't fail. Because it's counterculture to fail, to succeed. Think about this. Most of us have gone through education, kindergarten through high school. And what was the message that we were told? In my community, you know, I guess it gets really beaten in around seventh grade. Like you can't get bad grades. Otherwise you're never going to get into school, especially right now with the current, you know, university difficulties of getting into universities in state universities. So what have we been told? What's the measuring stick that we've been told in education? You must get an A, right? A is the only way that you can get to the next level. You're not allowed. You can't get an F. I mean, think about the shitstorm that would cause in the kid's life if they got Fs. It's like, oh, I just failed. What can I learn from this? And even though we know Carol Dweck's growth mindset, you know, research and how important it is to learn from our mistakes, it's not allowed in education. And so one of the reasons I'm a big proponent of kids doing sports is that it's a safe place to fail. Kids in the swim team, if they get disqualified, that's a failure. They don't get any ribbons. They're not going to get any points. Their time doesn't count. They get really devastated. I'll have parents that get really upset about that. And I'm like, this is fantastic because here you touch with one hand on breaststroke. Next time you touch with two and you will get your time to count. Isn't that awesome? You get to change that. And it's a great way for them to learn all the different rules in our complicated sport because there's different technical rules that they may not know. And I'm sure I'll have a parent that will come to me and say, but you should teach them all. We do. We try to teach as many as we can, but sometimes the kids aren't engaged until they have that failure. The other thing is that I think of this always getting A's and never failing is like when my kids were little and we used to take them bowling. And so the university has a bowling alley. And when they were really little, we would have a lane where they, we'd have the bumpers go up, right? And they would bowl and it'd go down. They'd get really excited because the pins would drop. And how fun was that? And then at some point we started taking the bumpers down. And then what happened? Here's the truth. What happened was their balls would go into the gutters and you would watch some kids really shut down because they would say, that's a failure. This is impossible. I'm never going to be able to do this. I want to have the bumpers up because it's easier. And then I get to have success. And that's what happens when we're always striving for A's is that we have bumpers because kids will figure out the system that they need to get the A instead of actually doing the learning and maybe taking some risk and doing some critical thinking because, oh, I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to look foolish. I don't want to fail instead of learning from the mistakes, instead of learning from the failures. So when you're bowling without bumpers 
and I'm not an expert bowler. I don't even remember what a good score is. I think it's like over a hundred. You can totally correct me where I'm wrong, but one could be looking at your feet placement, where your feet place. How are you finishing out with your hands? Are you dropping the ball and really looking at it from a place of curiosity for what can I learn to do better next time? Such a great skill. And it's from your failures that you will become a successful bowler. It's from your failures as a swimmer that can allow you to become a successful swimmer. But if you're not willing to fail and you're worried about saving face, you're going to really limit your success. The same thing in life, my friend. You must be willing to fail. And here's the next step, because when you're willing to fail, this is what becomes really important. What do you make it mean? Are you like the little bowler who, when the ball goes in the gutter, you make it mean, see, it's over. I can't even do this. So I might as well not even try. Do you give up on yourself in that moment? What do you make it mean about you? I'm a loser from Loser Street. That was like my favorite story. What do you make it mean about your future? I'll never learn this. Here's the fantastic news. Everything is learnable. We can figure it out. We can learn. It's a matter of, do we want to learn about it? Do we want to put in the time for it? And if we're bowling with our friends, why not have fun and learn and try things and see what you can do and what you can improve on because you're going to be there anyways. Because so often teachers say, well, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to put myself out there and fail. But then like in this circumstance of the bowling, then you don't get to be with your friends who are going to, you don't get to have that connection. I've always had fun bowling, like growing up in high school, you know, getting older. Like I just, it was a fun thing that we would go do on a Friday night or Saturday night when we had nothing else to go do. And it was fun. So why not be willing to do it and allow yourself to suck at it? And when you're doing these things, when you are succeeding, going through failures, notice when you focus on what can I learn from it? What do I want to do versus when you look at it from a focus of I'm a loser. I can't do this. It's not going to work out for me because then that's when you want to stop and quit. So instead, as you're going through this and as you're failing, these are the questions to ask yourself from a place of curiosity. What can you learn? What can you do differently next time? What can you correct now? And then set out to do differently next time. And always, always, my friend, reevaluate on your journey to success. Because remember, success is built on a pile of failures. Success is not built on a bunch of safe A's. Now it's your turn. You must turn this podcast from intellectual learning into applied learning to create the change for you. So to create success for you, take this stuff that I just talked about and now go do it. You're going to test this out for yourself. So weekly, I think a weekly reflection, remember I talked about that success could be daily, giving yourself time to think for my clients. That's an important thing for you. It could be weekly reflect on your top three failures this week. Does that freak you out? Like three, Corinne, three is not allowed. Really? Are you really not going to fail three times? Sometimes a failure can be like, I really love to be productive and efficient. And I forget to bring something that I'm going to do along my errands trips. That's a failure. That could be a failure. A failure can be, you know, sending out the wrong email to somebody. Okay. That could be a failure. What are your three failures? And then you ask yourself, what can you learn from this? Sometimes it can be, can this be corrected right now? And maybe when it's an email that you send to the wrong person, it can be then corrected. 
own it, love yourself and correct it. What will you do differently next time? My best learnings come from my mistakes, never from when I do things well. And what do you commit to next time? So that's what you want to test out for yourself over the next week. Then go back out there and practice some more on your pursuit to creating success. So to wrap up today's show is get clear on what success is for you. And it doesn't have to be this long. I need to think about it for hours just to get really clear. That house thing, I thought about it for just a little bit. It wasn't that long. And then I got really clear about what's important to me and what's not important to me. What's my opinion and what are other people's? But so get really clear what is success is for you. Make a decision and commit to it. Then notice the stories you tell yourself when you fail pay attention to those. There's probably a lot of self-limiting thoughts in there. And then manage what you make it all mean. It doesn't mean you're a loser. It doesn't mean it's not possible. You can learn new things and redirect your brain that way. Learn and grow. And in fact, still this mantra, success is built on a pile of failures. My friend, you know that your voice matters. It matters to me. And so we're going to do two things here. We're going to one practice on your voice mattering and you owning your voice. And the other is preserving your brain juice. So the first thing I want you to go do is share your voice, leave a review of the show on iTunes. Tell me what you love. Tell me why you're here. Your voice matters. And the second thing, if you haven't done it already, preserve your brain juice by making sure you hit the subscribe button and you're subscribed to the show. I'm smiling big for you. I can't wait to give you a shout out on the show in the future. Until next time. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wide awake.